We begin today by the Mishnah on Daft Sadekei Medalev towards the top of the Yomad. Zok Tehilige Mishnah. Mi Shahoya Nosui Beis Noshim. A person is married to two wives. So as we learned before, what's the halacha when you're married to two wives? The first wife has the first right to collect from the Ksuba. And if there's anything that's left, then the second wife comes and collects. Umachar Sadeyu. And there was one property that he had that, of course, is, there's a lien on this property for the, both of these ksubas. And he sold it. Now, the first wife that has the first right to collect from this property for her ksuba went and wrote Lilikeach to the buyer of this property. Din udvarim li imach. I have no rights. I have no rights at all. I'm giving up my right to collect my ksuba from this property. So now the first one, which usually would come first, is out. She cannot take anything. So what happens? So now the second wife, she never gave up her right to collect the ksuba, so she will be able to go and collect this property from the buyer. But then now once this property is in the hands of the second wife, now the first wife could go and take the property from the second wife, because the first wife could say, I come before you. Why? Why are you collecting the ksuba before me? If you have the ksuba, so then you have to give it to me. So Rishayinah Menashniya. Now what happens once the first wife has it? Then the buyer comes to the first wife and says, wait a minute, give the property back to me. Didn't you tell me that you have, you're not going to take it away from me? So once it's in the hands of the first wife, it goes back to the buyer. And like this, it goes around and around. Again, when it's in the hands of the buyer, it can go to the second wife. Once it's in the hands of the second wife, the first wife says to the second wife, give it to me. Once it's in the hands of the first wife, it goes back to the buyer. And it, so who, who's the one that has the right on this property? So so until they have, they'll make some kind of compromise between them to figure out how they're going to work this. There's, there's no way how to pass and who it belongs to, but they have to make themselves some kind of compromise. And the chain similar also is in a case when you have a balchayv regarding a balchayv and the chain isha balaschayv and also regarding a, 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 a isha which is a balaschayv and the gemara will explain what this is referring to as we'll see at the end at the end of the gemara. Okay, so the gemara starts off with what it says the lashon the mishnah uses here regarding the uh, first wife that wrote to the buyer din udvarim eni imach. I have no din udvarim. I have no claim to you, you can keep this property that you bought. If she writes to the buyer that I have no dinner with you, how does that help? How does that remove her lien on the property? But we learned A person that says to his friend, I have no dinadvaram, I have no connection, I have no rights on this property. I have nothing to do with it. My hand is removed of it. He, he, he said nothing. So the, such words are meaningless. If you have a person that is a partner and he just comes and makes such a kind of a statement, it's not even true. So it's meaningless. So over here as well, the, when, a, when a person's wife goes and writes this to the buyer and says that I, have, I remove myself from this property, that doesn't help. How, how could you just remove yourself? So Taisus over here adds to the Gemara and explains because over here, she already has a shibuch. It's, it's already in her rights to collect from this property. So just coming and making a statement that I have no rights, that, that's not true. So it doesn't, it doesn't help anything, just words. And the Gemara, it wasn't just words. What the Mishnah means is, what are we speaking about over here? They made a Kenyan. She didn't just say it, but she made a Kenyan. And we learned earlier in the Patek, 
or earlier in the Masechta, on Tafpei Gimel there, we had this sugya about this subject, and there the Gemara says, if you make a Kenyan, so in, in many cases, and over here as well, the Kenyan will actually go on the Karka itself, that you gave up, you made, he made a Kenyan with the buyer, and he said that I give up my rights to be able to collect this, the Ksuba from this uh, property. The, the wife made the Kenyan with the buyer, correct? She made a Kenyan. She didn't just stam uh, say so, but she wrote and she made a Kenyan that that she should not have the ability to collect from this field. But does that work? In our case here, before, earlier in the Masechta, when we spoke about this concept of making a Kenyan, it spoke about making a Kenyan when it's partners or if the husband, the husband is trying to sell his wife's properties. And uh, the, 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 over there, the wife writes to the husband that I'm not going to interfere with the sale that you're trying to sell. Right? Um, so that's what it's talking about over here. But over here, it's the husband that's selling these properties. Again, what did I just say? Oh, and earlier in the Masechta, it's talking about when... Huh? So the husband yeah, when, earlier it's talking about when the husband's trying to sell her nichse maluk. That's what it is. He's selling her nichse maluk, and over there, nichse maluk is the properties she brings into the marriage. Mm-hmm. Not the properties that are meshubba to the ksuba. The properties that she's bringing into the marriage, and over there, the Gemara discusses that she says, mainly But over here, when it talks about the husband selling these properties that are meshubba to her ksuba, does, does her writing or even making a kinyan? that she will not be able to collect from it, help. And the Gemara brings that there's another reason why this should not help. The Chikonu Miyada over here, if they had made a Kenyan from her. My Hava, how is that going to help? Tame, she can say the following. The only reason why I wrote this, that the Kenyan should take effect, is because I wanted my husband to be happy, that he should be able to sell the property. If a husband can't sell any property, because any property that he owns, is always Meshubba to the Ksuba. So the husband can't do any business with any real estate. Whatever he owns, the wife is going to say, no, don't sell it, it's Meshubba to me. And any buyer is always going to be worried that his wife is going to collect from here. So then the husband can't move, he can't live with her. So therefore, it's a very, very obvious swara that a wife will say, the only reason why I wrote to my husband that I'm, I'm agreeing to this king and I'm not going to, I didn't dvar him only, is because otherwise my husband will be upset with me. But, but in actuality, I never really intended to give up the lien that I have on this property for the Ksuba. And this is a big Chiddush Gemara saying here, as the Mepharshim explained, usually we have a rule that's called Dvarim Shebelei Venim Dvarim. If there's something that you have in your heart, so then it's worthless. Over here she actually wrote that I'm giving up my rights to these properties and she made an actual Kenyan. So what? She's thinking in her heart that she's only doing it so her husband should be happy. But that's words of the heart. But over here, this is something which is so obvious that a person's wife wants to do this for her husband that it's, it's like something that's known to everybody. Me like Nan, didn't we learn that it says this clearly in a Mishnah? What happens if somebody buys a property from a man? And then after that, he buys the, the property from uh, the, the wife. So, this, uh, so the, the, the sale will be bottle. A different one. Again? A different one. Yeah, first he, brought, he, he bought the property from the Ish. Right? And then... And then afterwards, the Isha also agreed to the sale. Yeah, right. She agreed to the sale. But it doesn't matter. Her agreement is worthless. The Mekach doesn't take effect because, again, like we just said, Alma, from here we see this, that what that Mishnah there is saying is, the Isha could come and say, 
that I only agreed to the sale because I wanted to make Nachas Ruch. My husband should be happy. But I, I never gave up the lien that I have to this property. Okay, and the, the uh, Rashi here brings it. The Gemara in Baba Basra says that this is not only referring to after the husband passes away and now she has to collect from the Ksuba, but even in the lifetime of the husband as well. She can say that, the, that there's no sale over here at all because the Gemara there says we're speaking about a specific property which was designated for the Ksuba. Okay, again, so the Pshad of here is we're talking about one property. The husband sold it and the wife goes and sells it, but the wife selling it is worthless. So how can we say over here in our Mishnah that a wife that writes to the buyer, not dinat vada mainly, that I, I'm not, I have no lien anymore, and even if she makes a kenya, it doesn't work. It doesn't, she's just doing this as a nachas ruach to her husband. Rav Zayde, so Rav Zayde answers, Amr Rav Chizda, in the name of Rav Chizda, like Kashi, there's no question, Harab Meir, Harab Yehuda. There's an argument about this. There's an argument between Rav Meir and Rav Yehuda, whether we say when a wife made a clear kenyan that she will not collect from this, is she doing it only for Nachasurach for her husband, or this is serious? This takes effect. And we see this as a machlaikis between Rab Meir and Rab Yudah. Tanya, as we learned in Nebraise, what happens if a husband goes and sells his property to one person, one field? He writes a star document, he's selling the property. She did not sign that document that she agrees to the sale, she did not. Let, let know that she's giving up her rights to collect from this property, her ksuba. Now, Lashani, he went and sold a property to a second individual, or maybe this is even the same property that he sold to the second individual when it came to the first property, the first sale, she didn't agree. Now, he goes and sells it to someone else, and the chasmala, and now she does agree. She signs, she signs and says that, yeah, I agree to the sale and I'm not going to collect from here my ksuba. If the ksuba saw, so she lost her ksuba. She can't collect from this property. This is Rab Meir's opinion. So here we see that Rab Meir says once she signs away the property that her husband sold, that's it. It's signed. It's given away. She, she, gave, she gave it up. Exactly. She cannot say that I only did this for my husband's uh, pleasure. But Rabbi argues and says, She can come and say, I only signed the property to, for, for you, for the buyer, for, for my husband's sake. But So what complaints do you have to me? Really, I am the one that has the previous claim from my ksuba on this property. Okay, so we have a machloikis between Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yudah. So what the, what the Gemara is basically saying is, the Mishnah over here follows the opinion of Rabbi Meir that says that she cannot say, I did this only for my husband's sake. And the Mishnah that the Gemara quoted, there was a Mishnah in Mesech to Gitten. Over there it says that even if the, the wife agrees to the sale, it does not take effect. That's Rabbi Yudah's opinion. That she could say, Nachas Ruch so okay, you answer it's two opinions Rabbi Meir Rabbi Yehuda but the question is Rabbi. when Rabbi he wrote the Mishnayis so Sosam lo hocha Rabbi Meir here there's a Stam Mishnah like Rabbi Meir's opinion Sosam lo hocha ke Rabbi Yehuda and over there in Mesech the Gitten there's a Stam Mishnah that goes like Rabbi Yehuda this is very unusual why would Rabbi usually the Allah is always like a Stam Mishnah no name so here we have a Stam Mishnah following Rabbi Meir's opinion and there we have a Stam Mishnah following Rabbi Yehuda's opinion why is this? Um, Rav Papa, so the Gemara gives two answers. Rav Papa says that our mission is a different case. Begrusha, over here, when she writes to this buyer that I do not have any lien on this property, I will not accept, I will not collect that is Mike Silver from here. After she was divorced, and now she's not doing this for her husband's sake. Sure. She's already divorced, and here she's writing to the buyer, I will not collect from here. So in such a case, everybody will agree that she's not doing it for her husband's sake, and that takes effect. So there's no contradiction. It could be even Rabbi Yehuda's opinion, but over here it's after she was divorced already. So our mission, everybody agrees. 
Rashi Omar, Ravashi says another answer, Kula Rab Meir, the Mishnah here, and the Mishnah Mesech the Gittin, it's all Rab Meir. But there's a reason, usually Rab Meir says, that she could say, Nach Hasroch Hasisi Labayli. And therefore, when she writes, Din Advan Meim Liyamach, it does not take effect. But our Mishnah is a different case. And the Gemara explains why. But can I come Rab Meir Hasam? Over there, Rab Meir said that this, uh, again, Rab Meir is the one that said that Isha cannot say, So why does Rab Meir say that over there in that Braise uh, that was quoted? The reason is, because over there, it's two, there were two buyers. The husband sold it once, and the wife did not support the husband. She did not sign for the husband. And then the second time that the husband sold, then she signed for the husband. So because there was two buyers, the Amri law, so we can say to her, of this, if it's true that you're doing this only for your husband's sake, so why when it came to the first sale, did you not sign for your husband? So you're not so concerned just to make a nachasroch for your husband. So over there, it's in that case specifically because there were two sales. And in the first sale, she did not sign for her husband. Now in the second sale, she is signing for her husband that we say to her, if now you're signing for your husband, you're giving it up. You're serious about giving it up. You're not just doing it for the nachas ruach of your husband. You didn't do it the first time. But if it was just one time that her properties were with the, the husband's properties that are also Meshubit to her Ksuba were being sold, I feel that would agree in such a case that we say, So therefore, now the Gemara concludes and says, So we have no contradiction between the two Stam Mishnes, because Umas Nisin, our Mishnah over here, that says that when she says, so that we take this serious and we don't say this, she's just doing it for the husband's sake, the cost of Leila The case of our Mishnah was that the husband first sold it to someone else, and over there she did not sign for him, and now the second time she did sign for him, and she is making the Kenyan for him. So therefore, here we say that you were serious by doing this. Otherwise, you would have, the, the first time you would have signed for the husband, and you did not. But the Mishnah in Gittin is speaking about when there was just one a karka, one property that was being sold, and over there, and when she signs for the husband, Rab Meir would agree that she can say, I was only doing it for my husband's sake. Tanan Asam. So there's a Mishnah that we learned, and also Masech the Gittin, that says as follows. And this is going to connect back to what it said in our Mishnah here. So there the Mishnah says, The rule always is, you cannot collect any loan that you're owed from the Chassam Shabadim, from properties that the, lender, the, the, the borrower does not have anymore in his possession, that he sold off to somebody else. In a place where you have properties that are here in his possession. If the borrower still has properties in his possession, you can't go and confiscate any properties from the buyers. Even if the properties that are in the borrower's possession are the, the inferior quality fields, usually the, borrow, the, the, uh, the lender has the right, the, the Malva has the right to collect from Bainanis, from at least the average uh, quality field. But over here, even though the Bainanis is by the Lekeach, and the Bnei Chayrin is only a Ziburis, a lower quality, an inferior quality field, but since this is what's still in his possession, that's what you, have to, that's what you get, that's what you collect. That's the rule that there always is. You always take from Bnei Chayden. Now, this the question is, the question was asked, but what happens if now these Bnei Chayden became destroyed? Some hurricane came and destroyed the, this property and it's, it's Shtadov. So something happened and you can't collect from it anymore. So now, are you able to go and collect from the Mishabad, from the, from the property of the Lekeach? <laughs> 
So usually you cannot go and collect from the Mishabodim, but over here, this property of the Bnei Chayrin is destroyed, so maybe in such a case you should be allowed to go and take from the Bnei Chayrin. So what's the basis of the Gemara's question? The Gemara does not explain, but the Mepharshim explained the basis of the Gemara's question is, on one hand, the Svar is, for sure you should be able to go and collect from the other properties. This property that's Ben Chayrin, that's here available, is destroyed already. So, so this... this Malva can't collect from this property, so he should be allowed to go now and collect from the property that the buyer has. But there is another svara though, and that is that this whole thing that Chachamim said, that you can't collect from the buyer as long as there's Bnei Chayrin, this is, Chachamim instituted this for the purpose of buyers. If any buyer knows that any Malva can come and collect from a, from a property that they buy, even if the Leibah still has other properties in his possessions, people are not going to want to buy anything. Because people are going to say, this Malva is always going to send, the, the, the Malva is always going to come to us to collect the property. So this is a Takana for the benefit of the Lekeach. And the Lekeach could say, I left another property. I bought this property, so I knew that you owe somebody money, but I left another property available. So as long as I left another property available for you to collect, you can't come to me. So therefore, maybe we should say, as long as at the time when the sale took place, he left another property, even if later that property is not available anymore, it doesn't matter. The buyer could say that Hakanas Chachamim says that as long as at the time of when I bought this property, I left another property available, you can't come to me. So therefore there's a Svara that even though now he has nothing to collect, he cannot go to the buyer. Toshima, so the Gemara says, let's learn from what it said in our Mishnah. Or actually from the Braise that the Gemara quoted before. Husband sold out one property. And the wife did not agree. She did not sign the property to give up her lien of the ksuba on this property. L'shaini. He sold a second property or this property to another person. And now she did sign for him. She loses the ksuba. This is what Rab says. So now the question is, So if we're talking here about two properties that are being sold. So one property sold to the first person and over there she did not give up a ksuba. And the second property she sold, and over there she did give up her ksubah. So Rabbi Meir says she loses, but why does she lose? If you're going to say that in a case where a person sold one property, and there was still another property available to collect from, but now that second property got destroyed. So now you could go and collect from the first property that the buyer bought. Yes, it's true that now she gave up her rights of collecting the property from the second buyer because over here she did write to her husband. She signed it off. But why shouldn't she go back to the first buyer and collect from the first buyer? This should be compared to the case of a property that was still available and got destroyed. Over here as well, you had the first buyer. And over there, she did not give up her rights to collect, but she can't collect from the first property because there's a second property that's still available in the husband's possession. So that's the only property she could collect her ksuba from. But now, when the second property is sold, and she signed off her rights of collecting from the second property that was available for her, so now it's like that property is destroyed. That property is not available anymore for her because she sold it off, or she signed it off for her husband. Once she signed this off, she should be able to go back to the first buyer and say, now this is the only property that's available for me. So the fact that it says over here that the, she completely loses her ksuba and she cannot go back to the first buyer, so we see that even if the second property that was available got destroyed, she cannot go back to the buyer. And here as well, she cannot go back to the first buyer. Amir Avnachim Yitzchak. So Avnachim Yitzchak tries to answer and says, 
That's not what the Braisa meant. My Ibdo, when it says, when the Rabbi says that she lost her rights to collect the Ksuba, Ibdo Misheni, all it meant is the second buyer. When she signed it off for her husband, that property, the second property she signed off, she cannot collect. But you're right. Now she'll be able to go back to the first buyer and say, I have nothing else available anymore. So I'm coming back to you. Amarave, mm-hmm. but Rav doesn't accept this answer. And he says, I'll give you two reasons why this is not a good answer. Chada number one, the Ibdo Legamri Mashma. When Rav Meir says that she lost her Ksuba, Lost means completely, not from the second buyer and not from the first. And Va'oid, besides this, Tanya, we clearly learned in the Braise. Love echad, a person borrowed from someone money. And now he sold properties that he has to two people. Because of Sheni, now the Malve, the lender, writes to the second buyer, that my rights, the lien that I have in the properties, similar to what we just had regarding this wife. So he writes to the second buyer, I'm not going to collect, I have no lien on this property that's being sold to you. So here the Braisa clearly spells out, not only will he not be able to take from the second property that he clearly wrote, I will not collect from you, but he can't even take from the first buyer, from the first property either. Why? Why? Because the first buyer could say, When I bought the property, there was still another property available in the borrower's possession, and therefore I left you another property to collect from there. And therefore, if you didn't if you if you... If you have that property, you collect from there. Why are you coming to me? So what do we see over here? Even though now what happened, this Balchayv, this Malva went and wrote to the second buyer that I will not collect from the second property. And now the second property is not available to collect from. We don't say that now he has a right to go back to the first buyer because now the second property is not available. If at the time when the first buyer bought the property, the second property was available, so then even though later it's not available anymore, it doesn't matter. You can never go back to the first buyer. That's what it says it clearly. You, you cannot go, you can't go back to the first buyer. So again, the point is, the Gemara wants to compare these cases to the case we spoke about before. When some hurricane came and destroyed that property that was still available. And therefore we should say, you now cannot go back to the buyer and say, yes, there was a property available before, but not anymore. You can't say that. That's what it seems like. But now Rava continues and says that Hossam, that really this comparison is not a comparison at all. Why? In this case, when there was a second property available here and no hurricane came, Elamai, what had happened? The person himself went and wrote off the second property and gave up his rights to collect from the second property, whether by the Balchayver or whether with the wife that wanted to collect her ksuba. She herself signed off this property in the sale for her husband. So over here, she can't come and say that, oh, now Nebuch, this property, a hurricane happened and therefore allow me to collect from the first buyer. She herself sold off the second property. She wrote it off. Why did she? So she did this to herself. So therefore, in such a case, she loses her rights to collect from this property and we don't allow her to go back to the previous property. But maybe in the case of Ishtadov, when just some hurricane or something happened and the second property got destroyed, maybe she should be able to go back to the first property and collect. So that still remains a question. So regarding this Shaila, Rav Yemer said to Rav Ashi, we know that this is something that happens all the time. In Bezden, this comes up very often that there was a property that was still available and now that property got destroyed. And the question is, could you go back to the, to the buyer and say, sorry, the property that was available now got destroyed. And we, we always pass in that you could go back to the other uh, property that was sold. As the Gemara says, 
There was a story with an individual. So he owed money to his friend and he doesn't have what to pay. So what does he do? He has a, 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 a orchard or a vineyard. And he gives this vineyard to his friend for 10 years. He says, you can use, you can eat the grapes from this vineyard for 10 years. And that will eventually pay up the value of these grapes you eat for 10 years. It will be a payment for the loan. The Gemara many times calls this mashkante the Suda. This is the way they would do it in Suda. That instead of paying, you give a mashkin. This is, but it's not just a mashkin, but the person actually eats from these properties for 10 years. And that pays up. And what happened? Again? Again, there is. He can sell the grapes, correct. Or yeah, exactly. He can, he can uh, use the money from these grapes. And that, that's his pay. And now what happened? V'kash l'chomish shnin. After five years, this vineyard aged and it didn't produce grapes anymore. So he, he can't get paid up his full loan. The, the value of 10 years, he doesn't get it. After five years, it's not producing grapes. So he comes to the, to the Bezdin to ask them, so how am I going to get paid my loan from, uh, from the loyver, from the borrower? And the tirfe, and the Rabbanon gave him a star, which gives him the right to go and confiscate properties from the buyers of this of this borrower of any other properties that the borrower sold off after the loan that he can go and confiscate from there. Okay, so what do we see over here in this case? When the buyers bought their properties, there was still a vineyard available for this malva to collect from. So the, 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 the buyers could say, we left you, we left you a vineyard. But nevertheless, what do we say? This is the case of a shtadov. Over here we see, but this vineyard went bad. It aged, that's it. It's not producing grapes anymore. And once it goes bad, we say that now we can go back to the buyers and say, yeah, you, you left me a vineyard, but now the vineyard is gone. It's not producing uh, grapes anymore. So now I'm coming to collect from you. So here we clearly see that this is the way the Bezden would always pass and that you could go back to the buyers after the property that they left went bad. But the Gemara says, no, but it's still not the same thing. Kivin, ha, uh, sorry, Hassam over there, by this case, the story with the vineyard, Nami, we can say, These borrowers brought this loss upon themselves. Kivin, the Aviyadi, they should have known the Pradesa of the cash. With this vineyard, it's not a very, it's like a tree that's very strong. After a few years, after five years, it's very common that it ages and it doesn't produce grapes anymore. So therefore, they shouldn't have bought the properties and relied on the fact that they still left mm-hmm. for the for the lender this property available to collect from because it's a common thing that this vineyard will not be available to collect from it's it. All right. So in other words, what the Gemara is saying is before our question was about a shtadif. Like I said before, let's say a hurricane came, something unusual happened, and this property got destroyed. So over there, the question is, could you not go to the buyers and say, Look, I'm sorry, the field that you left for me is not available anymore. So that's a question, because that's not something they could have expected. But over here, if you only leave a vineyard, which is something that doesn't last for too long, that's something you could expect. And therefore, it's their loss that they bring upon themselves. They should have kept this in mind. But the Gemara concludes, If those properties that were left for the person to collect did get destroyed, you could go back to the buyers and say to them, I'm sorry, I don't have now any property available, and you could go back and collect from those buyers. That's the maskana. Omar Abaye says, another halacha. A person gives a gift. He says, I'm giving you this money. And now, as we'll see soon in the Gemara, what we're talking about over here is, a person is giving this gift to a single girl. And then he tells her, After you, if you pass away and no one else gets this property, then the gift will go over to somebody else. Now what happened in between, she went and got married. 
And now what happens with the properties that she brings into the marriage? It goes to the husband. So Baal lekechave. The husband is like somebody that bought this property from her. Now the rule is, So therefore that other person that he said, if you pass away, then the gift should go over to that other person, gets nothing. Because this whole halacha that someone else gets it from her is only if she didn't sell it to someone else. If she sold it to someone else before she passed away, that other person does not get the gift. Mm-hmm. All he said was, if the property that I'm giving you as a gift is still in your possession when you pass away, then it'll go to someone else afterwards. That someone else. But if you hear the husband is like a lekeach, he he's I got it from her. So when she passes away, the other person gets nothing. Mm-hmm. According to it, is go like the following Tanya Tanya in this brayse. Tanya the brayse says nechase leich. This case, a person gives a gift to somebody and says, And then after you, if when you pass away, the gift should be going or go over to someone else. Now the first person went to the property and what did he do? And he sold the property to someone else. So Hashani So the Rebbe. Rebbe says that because you only got this property not to keep forever. You got this property and then after you it's supposed to go to this other person. You don't have the right to sell it to anyone else. You it goes after you, goes to this other person. If you're giving it up, ask to go whether you pass away or if you want to give it up, it goes it goes to someone else after you. This is Rabbi's opinion. However, Rabbi Shemigamliel says, and this is what Abai was quoting before, that the second person only gets what the first one left. If the first one sells it before they passed away, so then now that it's sold, the second one gets nothing. What the person that was giving the gift meant to say is, if it's still going to be in your possession, then the second person will get. But if not, the second person gets nothing. So this is basically Abai saying, like Rabbi Shemigamliel, but Abaye said, Who is a Russia which is uh, Orum? The translation for Orum? No? A cunning, a cunning Russia. And what does he do? This is a person that gives this kind of a, a, advice. says, You get a gift. And the person that gives you the gift says that after you it will go to someone else. And someone advises you, you know what? You can just uh, sell it and keep the money for yourself and it won't go to anyone else. So this is, this is a Russia that does this. So how did Abai say, like Rabbi Shem Gamliel? So the Gemara says, Mika Omar Tinose. Did Abai say that she should get married and see to it that this property should go to her husband? He doesn't say she should do this. This is comma. She got married after the fact. Yeah. What Rabbi Shemigamliel said takes effect that now the husband is the buyer and therefore mm-hmm. the property remains with the husband. Again? No, but, but, no, but the properties go to the husband. That's the halacha. The properties that she brings into the marriage go to the husband. Uh, if she passes away, the husband yashins her, right? Everything that uh, she brings into the marriage, the husband yashins her. So it, it goes to the husband. Abai said another halacha. Sounds like very similar to what Abai said before, but it's a different case. As the Gemara will soon explain. A person says again to a girl, but really, we're not speaking over here about a girl, she's already married. After she was married, so a person gives her a property and tells her, here, this is for you, and after you, this property is going to go to Pliny. And she sold it to someone else. Now what happened to Mesa, she passed away. 
the husband has the right to take this property away from the buyer. Why does the husband have the right to take the property away from the buyer? This is Bakhlala Halacha. Any properties that a wife sells in her lifetime, because the husband is the one that yashins her, so there's a takana. We learned this before in the Masech. There's a, there's a takana that the husband could now confiscate those properties from the buyers and he gets it. Okay? But now what happened to Mesa? So she uh, passed to... Uh, okay, sorry, I went up the line. Uh, so the husband takes these properties away from the buyers. As I said, this is a takana. Chachamim uh, said that the Baal takes it away. He yashins his wife. Now, But now, this acharecha... This person that it was said that he's going to get the gift after this woman, he could not come and take it away from the husband. The husband has no right over this property because this gift that was given to this wife was given to her. And he said, after you pass away, who does it go to? Not to the husband. It goes to Acharecha, to another individual. So we can't consummate Okay, so one second, one second. Let's, let's just finish the Indian over here. But then, once it goes to this person that comes after this wife, now the lekeach that the wife sold it to will go to this individual that's taking it and say, wait, I bought it before you. And if I bought it, it's mine before you. It only goes to you if she didn't sell it. Again, what did this person that gives the gift say? I'm giving it to you and then acharecha to somebody else. Well, that's only if she didn't sell it to anybody else. But she did. She sold it to somebody else. So once she sold it to someone else, the lekeach could come and take it from that acharecha, from that other person that took it away from the husband. Okay, so one second, let me just explain this. You understand how this works over here. The Gemara will soon explain. The point is, we're speaking about over here, a person that gave a gift to this woman after she's married. So once she gives the gift to her after she's married, so he didn't intend to say that the husband should be like a buyer. And therefore, now that the husband gets it from her, nobody's going to get it after her. She's already married. Because she's already married, the husband's not considered to be like a buyer that will now not allow the acharecha, the next person to get it. No, the next person gets it after her. And the husband does not lock out the next person from getting it. Okay, but now what happens is, so she passes away. And she had sold it. She had sold this property before she passed away. So now it's in the hands of the Lekeach. So we have two contradictory things that are happening over here. On one hand, the husband could take it away from the Lekeach. Because that's always the rights of a husband. To yash and his wife and take it away from the Lekeach. But the moment the, uh, the husband takes it away from the Lekeach, so what happens? The Acharech, the person that the gift is supposed to go to afterwards, comes and says, no, this belongs to me. That, that was the condition of the gift. Mm-hmm. But now once that acharecha takes it, now the buyer comes back. The buyer comes back and says, wait a minute, I bought it before you because it, it's only a gift that goes to you if it's not sold to anybody else. But now it was sold to me. So therefore, I have to be the one that gets it. Now once, once it's in the hands of the lekeach, it goes back to the husband. And it keeps on going around and around. This is very, yeah, this is very similar to what it said in our Mishnah that it keeps on going around and around and we have no way of, of solving this. So therefore, what does oh, here? What does Abayi say? We put this property in the hands of he, the person that paid for the property. He's the one that keeps it. Okay, but now the Gemara asks, but my Why is this any different from what we learned in our Mishnah? What did it say in our Mishnah? That we have such a kind of situation where it goes around and around. We had in our Mishnah a similar thing, and what did it say? They have to come up with some kind of a compromise. It doesn't remain in the hands of the Lekeach. Over here, we said the Lekeach gets it. 
And says the Gemara, it's not the same thing. Over there, in the Mishnah, it's a situation where all of them are standing to lose. But over here, the only one that really stands to lose is the buyer. We're talking about a situation where somebody gave a gift. Someone gave a gift to this wife, and, and then he said, after you, the gift will go to someone else. Not she paid for it, not that other person paid for it, not the husband paid for it. Nobody paid for it. The only, there's only one person that paid for this property, the Lekeach. So therefore, because Lekeach is the only one that stands he to lose, it. so therefore he doesn't have to make any pshadas with anybody. In such a situation where we can't solve it, he's the one that paid, so he's the one that keeps it. Now the Gemara goes back to the two statements that Abaya said before, which looked like contradictory. I explained it already before. That one is talking about that he gave a gift to this single girl, and one he gave a gift to a wife once she's married. So now, Oslo Rafram Oma Lishmaite Kameda Ravashi, he said the second statement that we quoted before from Abaye in front of Ravashi. Now, in the second statement, it said that the husband gets nothing. The husband is not considered to be like a buyer from his wife. So he asked, Mi Oma Abaye Did Abaye say so? But Vahoma Abaye. Abaye said, Any person gives a gift to a girl and he says after you it should go to someone else and now Omda Venissa she went and got married so the husband will get this property the Baal is like a, the husband is like a buyer and and therefore the other individual that would, would be getting the gift afterwards gets nothing so he answered him like I explained before already over there we consider the husband to be a buyer because that the, later she went and got married so afterwards she got married so now the husband is a new person that came into her life and he's like a buyer of this property but over here in the second statement of this person gave her the gift when she is already married and he's telling her I know you're married to this husband but I don't want it to go to the husband after you it's going to go to the plenty to somebody else so the husband is not the buyer so therefore, my likni. He intended to say, no, it's going to go to somebody else and not to your husband. She, he knows that she's already married. So therefore, it's not going to be going to the husband. And that's why Abayah said over there, it goes to the buyer and it goes around and around and we, and we leave it at, by the buyer. Said in our Mishnah, similar to what it said in the Mishnah regarding the uh, case of the Ksube, where the wife wrote that uh, the second wife that is or uh, sorry, the first wife that is wrote to the lekeach didn't mainly imach, and the second wife could take it out from the lekeach, and then the first takes from the second, and then the buyer takes it from the first, and it goes around and around. That's so right. the Mishnah said similar regarding a balchayiv. So Tana and Abraisi we learned that v'chein balchayiv is This is talking about a balchayiv that's owed money, and the loyves sells two properties. So let's say the balchayiv is owed a hundred dollars. And he sells two properties. Each property is worth $50. And he sells it to two buyers. Right? And those two buyers, each one, the Balchayv, the Malv, has the right to collect from both of the properties. But now this Balchayv goes and, 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 uh, and writes to the first buyer, I'm not going to collect from you. So who does he collect from? He collects from the second buyer. Now after he goes and collects from the second buyer, so what happens? So the... the um, Again, sorry, in a second, that makes uh, sure the case over here. No, let me, let me start again. The Bachayv wrote to the second buyer. The Bachayv wrote to the second buyer, I'm not going to collect from you. Right? So therefore, he can't collect from the second buyer. So who does he collect from? He takes from the first buyer. He takes the field, which is only half of the loan that he's owed. Now what happens after he collects from the first buyer? Now the first buyer goes to the second buyer and says, <laughs> you have to reimburse me. I have the rights to take the property that you bought, and that goes to me. 
because the pro- property that I bought was, was confiscated from me. What happens after a property is confiscated from a buyer? So he goes back to the seller and says, reimburse me. So the seller says, go to the second buyer. That, that's, that's the property that really belongs to you. That's how you're going to be reimbursed. Right. Now he goes to the second buyer and gets reimbursed from the second buyer. And now what happens once the property is in the possession of the first buyer, now the lender goes and collects the property from the first buyer. Once the property is in the hands of the lender, so now the second buyer says, give the property back to me. You said that you're not going to take a property that belongs to me. Again, the case is that he wrote to the second buyer, I will not take anything from you. Once it's in the hands of the second buyer, it goes back to the first buyer. Once it's in the hands of the first buyer, it goes back to the Balchayv. And like this, it goes around and around. Same exact thing, like it said in the Mishnah. That's the case of the Balchayv and Shnei Lekuches. Again, the, the, the point is that he wrote to the second he wrote to the second buyer, I will not collect from you. And the exact same thing. Instead of it being a Balchayv and two buyers, you have a, a woman that's collecting her ksuba and two buyers. And she wrote to the second buyer, I will not collect from you. So she collects from the first buyer, then the first buyer collects from the second buyer, and then she collects from the first buyer, and then the second buyer collects from the Isha, and it goes around and around. Okay. And therefore, what does the Mishnah say? You have to make a Pshada. Remember that. In such a case, when there's no solution, you have to make... A compromise. Hadran Allah mi Shahaya Nasai. This is the conclusion of the tenth Pedic of Mesachtik Subes.